when the project starts, all everyone ever cares about is where are we at with the schedule and where are we at with the budget? Hi, my name is Andrea Jansen, and I am on a mission to help people be ambitious at work every single day. That means you're fulfilled, you're productive, and you're contributing to your company. I'm a certified executive coach that has an MBA, a diversity consultant, a Forbes contributor, a business leader, a wife, and a mother of three. This podcast is about tackling hard topics like the gender gap in the workplace. It's about asking the questions that everybody's thinking about but doesn't want to say out loud. Each episode is like the sweet spot between motivation and tactical strategies to get you ahead. We get out of our comfort zones and we take action. This is where we learn, grow, and create opportunities. Welcome to the Ambition Theory Podcast. In this episode of Ambition Theory Women in Construction, we are talking about empowering contractors to make more money, building trust and transparency into the construction process, and challenging the way that work gets done and approved. Ashley Kilbertowski is the co-founder and chief growth officer at Harbor, a construction tech company that greatly improves source data collection for fast and accurate invoice approvals. Harbor was founded in 2016, and their clients and partners include CBRE, Paul Davis, Golftown, Killam Reap, Foresight Atlantic, McGinnis Cooper, and the NL- NSLC. Welcome to Ambition Theory Women in Construction, Ashley. I'm so happy that you are here. Hey, thank you. Thanks for having me, Andrea. Amazing. So I want to go back a little bit, and I'm so curious if you could take us back to the beginning of your career and tell me what attracted you to construction in the first place. Well, really, since I was younger, I was obsessed, and I mean obsessed with anything to do with home design. I always watched uh, HDTV and going to a home store was like my favorite, favorite thing to do. I actually remember the first time I was in Toronto and went to a Home Depot store. I thought it was heaven, just seeing the displays and the samples and just like the new opportunities that were there. I just loved it so much. And I was always begging my mom to buy things for our house or let me rearrange the the furniture or my bedroom, which I'm sure drove her absolutely crazy. Um, so that passion uh, for design and anything home was really just like something I was naturally drawn to. After I graduated high school, I went to St. Avex University here in Nova Scotia for two years. Um, and it really wasn't for me. It didn't really feed the creativity. And I just, I, I don't know, it just didn't feel right. So I, I discussed with my parents and they knew I loved design so much. Um, so I kind of shifted gears and I took a diploma in interior decorating and design. Um, and then as soon as I was done that program, sadly, um, an office manager at my husband's family business, their developers in construction became really ill with cancer. And they asked me if I wanted to step in and work there and kind of fill that role for the time being. It was definitely not the career move I had envisioned. I was really excited to kind of get out there and get into the design world, but I was happy to do it. And it was a really good job. And now reflecting back, Andrea, it's really taught me everything that I know today with Harbor. So it was nothing specifically that I wasn't envisioning working in construction um, right off the get-go. It kind of was just one thing that led to another naturally, um, but really gave me the understanding to how a big construction development company works. 
um, how things happen in the office. And I was in constant communication um, with trades and kind of managing different aspects of work um, from the owner's perspective and saw all the moving parts. Um, and, and I was very happy because I still got to do a lot of new construction and design and stuff. So it was really just something that naturally kind of happened. I wasn't necessarily looking to work in uh, construction specifically, but here I am. It sounds like when I'm listening to your story, when you said I went to Toronto, cause I'm from Toronto, I thought you were going to say, yeah. Oh, I went to CB2. I went to West Elm. <laughs> no. I went to Pottery Barn and I was so inspired. Like literally that's what I thought you were going to say because you said design was what inspired you. But when you said Home Depot, uh, kind of looking back on this story, it sounds like you are in the exact place you were meant to be because Home Depot was the place that inspired you. And that is all about construction and building and supplies, whereas kind of more the finishing pieces are would be in another show. So I think you're in the exact place mm -hmm. where you're meant to be. And I'm so curious about where this entrepreneurial side of you came from. Can you tell me about that? Yeah, I never knew... I, I mean, I was always naturally interested in design. I never really thought of it as a huge career opportunity when I was younger because I did grow up in a very small town. I didn't, and even here in Nova Scotia, the opportunities are much larger in that uh, ecosystem now, but at the time there wasn't a huge opportunity. Um, so I, I always was one of those people that really didn't know what I wanted to do, but I knew I wanted to create something. And I think that's really what's interesting about being an entrepreneur is literally creating something um, from nothing or challenging the status quo and doing something differently. And my dad is an entrepreneur. He still to this day, he's retired kind of retired now. Um, but he always was coming up with ideas and just coming up with different business ideas for other companies outside of his other or outside of his business. And I just thought that was so interesting. And I loved that, um, kind of realm of endless possibilities, innovation. And it was just something that I always kind of wanted to go towards, like working for myself, um, having the ability to create and build endlessly. So I, it's a really difficult job. I think for any entrepreneur, no one would say it was easy, but it's definitely something that I've just always been really attracted to. Okay. So tell me about how the idea for Harbor came up. So I, I had still been working for my in-laws and I had also started my own home consulting and design um, company. And I'd actually been recommended to Dave and Kara Kim. Dave is now one of my co-founders um, through a mutual friend. So I was hired to do a small home renovation project at their house. It was nothing crazy. Um, but as you can imagine, if anyone has done any sort of home project, there's still a lot of delays and miscommunications and, and uh, issues that arise. So we just became friends through that process. And Dave had a really strong tech background and he just couldn't really understand how this home renovation problem still had all these miscommunications and kind of misalignments that when he considered Keel Developments, my in-laws business or other big developers, how much more difficult the issues would have been. Um, so we further kind of became friends, dug into the industry, and he um, really leveraged Jeff, my husband, and my knowledge in the industry and our connections. And we just talked to so many people to validate uh, further what we were thinking and coming up with. And, and then it was months and months later that we realized there was, a, was something there and we decided to start Harbor. 
Okay, so I want to just understand a bit more about Harbor, what it does. And when I learned about Harbor, the first thing that came to mind was I was like just trying to describe what you do. And I was thinking Harbor empowers everybody in the construction process to make more money. And it's a really cool value proposition. Um, and I want to understand a little bit more about how this came about and how you actually do this. So first, I'm curious about goals. So I know everybody wants to make money. Um, can you tell me a little bit more about the goals of all the players in a construction project, what their goals are? It, it does sound very cliche, but for all stakeholders, um, they're, they're all always only focused really on getting things on time and on budget. You always hear that we need to stay on time. We need to stay on budget. Um, because in reality, every time that there is a schedule slip or funds are delayed and money isn't moving, there's really a massive opportunity for the chance of someone's business to be disrupted and potentially lose, you know, massive amounts of profits. Um, if you think about buildings being are not complete and they're meant to have tenants or they're meant to have commercial tenants in it, that's money that they're losing all the time because of these delays that are typically not planned for. Um, and if payments are delayed, it really hurts the contractors. And if overpayments happen, then it hurts the owners. So if these things aren't um, like on point and really flush out, then, you know, it really is. There's a huge trickle down effect with um, like financial losses for everyone involved. If you are an HR professional or a construction leader, and you're curious about how you can better engage and support your female staff, we have some exciting news to share with you. Ambition Theory has developed industry-specific leadership training program for women in line with the Canadian Construction Association's Gold Seal Certification Program. The goal of these programs is to help companies develop leaders from the talent that already exists internally. There is a war for talent in the construction industry, and engagement and retention are among the best ways to address this. If you want to learn how Ambition Theory can help you improve employee engagement and retention, go to ambitiontheory.ca and book a call with us. And now back to our conversation. Okay, so it seems like everybody has the same goal, right? So what, like theoretically, you would think if we all have the same goal, we can work together and we can all achieve our goals, right? It's like, I make more money, you make more money, but it doesn't always work that way. So can you tell me what gets in the way? There's so much that gets in the way. Um, and we hear it all the time from our customers and our partners that there needs to be a good plan in place and there needs to be a really thorough design. Um, but the planning of pre-construction and the deliverables and the contracts, there's, there's so much that goes into that. And when the project starts, all everyone ever cares about is where are we at with the schedule? And where are we at with the budget? This is something they're asking, if not daily, but definitely weekly. And working work is happening every day on projects at different levels of progress. And they're tracking this progress as the work is completed. There is an invoice that is usually submitted at the end of each month based on the work that was completed. And there's a huge amount of people, say a project management team or um, an operation team who are trying to figure out what they're going to pay, what they're going to reject, um, and how much needs to be paid. So all these invoices are flooding in, and then they have to actually validate 
what's um, being done. So if they don't know, then they're in the risk of overpaying. And if they don't know, then they could be underpaying and not paying someone for things that are actually completed. Um, and this is a really big process that isn't transparent for the contractors. They mostly don't know if or when they're going to be paid for the work that they've submitted. And the industry runs off a paid when paid basis. So this means that money needs to consistently flow. And there's a lot of variables that kind of go into that flow of money, which could cause delays or cause disruptions. And this process um, forces some contractors to take options like high interest loans because sometimes they need access to cash. Um, this is very, very common because they need it for their own operations or just for growth of their business to take on new business. And these companies are doing the work, but they're the last to receive the funds. So this is really, really hard for those contracting companies to stay ahead because they're constantly waiting on really, really delayed and slow payment terms. Can you tell me about the moment when you realized there had to be a better way to do this? Yeah. So we were having a lot of discovery conversations with our customers and our partners. And many of them said, okay, you're collecting this data. You're doing such a great job tracking the progress on our projects, um, which had been previously a really manual process for them that we should consider. Basically, they were telling us that we should consider moving these data points into a progress claim because ultimately we'd be able to move that over and then be able to move into payments. So one moment in, in time that I can particularly recall was that one of our advisors said, Harbor can help me and my team match the work done um, that's being done in the field to what actually needs to be paid because this process needs to be improved, I know, by all organizations. Like we started to hear that a little bit more, that this was literally a very typical process that all companies did because they have to manually, which they thought they had to man manually verify and check on all this, this information that was coming in. So we started to dig into that further with other um, customers. And then we realized that we could really speed up the, the source of data collection, get into the invoice and approvals phase almost immediately. And then we realized, okay, then we can actually just shift in and uh, look at options for faster payments as well. So it was something that we'd always really focused on cracking the code around data collection. But then once we had the data, we wanted to kind of figure out what makes sense next. And it was really a natural process for our customers to kind of all start to, to put our heads together and say like, this is, this is really what makes sense because this is what you're already doing. And this is something that's very manual for us today. Okay. Can you actually break it down step-by-step step how you actually do mm -hmm. this? Cause I think the coolest thing about Harbor is that it's text message based. So it's something that we always, <laughs> everybody has and everybody knows how to use. So I want you to just break down and just explain every step, how it works. Yeah. So I'll start with the text piece. That was really something that Dave um, and Anton, our, our VP of engineering had pitched to the team because it was, it just seemed like a natural fit to remove more barriers. If these contractors are already on their phones, they're already sending some of these updates through text message. It just made sense to keep the data in that same workflow that they're used to instead of trying to teach them how to use technology or a new application. 
So that's really kind of the, the bread and butter of what we do is actually collecting that data. And then it goes into the platform platform, um, in a more meaningful way. Um, but to kind of rewind, um, and to tell you how Harbor works, it runs off, um, what we call a hybrid schedule or a schedule of values. This includes tasks and milestones involved in a project, and there's budgets associated with, with those things. And there's individuals and companies associated with those pieces of work as well. So all the updates of progress are of work are coming from the people in the field and that's through text message. So for example, um, a drywaller could say on level five, we're 50% complete or drywall on level 10 is done. So this helps match, um, everything happening in the background, what piece of work needs to be updated on what project and the updates automatically distribute to the main platform and the progress of work is all visible by the project team. So at any given point, anyone can log in onto the platform and see the percent completion data. They can view notes, there's documents, um, and any other kind of details associated with that piece of work. And you really start to see the timeline of something starting all the way to its completion, which is super cool. Um, and then an invoice is then submitted into the portal, which is then matched to the actual work that's done. So it does remove a lot of back and forth. And that was a big part of what I used to do at Keel Developments was trying to figure out who to pay, what to pay. Um, so once this work is approved, the invoice is then um, ready for payment. So it's a lot faster. And on average, it takes around 51 days or more um, for a contractor to be paid. So typically we hear the 30 day pay cycle, but that's not really reality because there's obviously disruptions and delays financially that hold up payments sometimes. So we can approve work in an invoice right away in seconds, and then it can be, um, paid at any time, kind of whatever agreement the owner and the contractor have. Okay. That is really cool. And I'm so curious about kind of the buy-in. So is it, do people right away, is it intuitive, the text messaging platform and who needs to know how to use the text messaging and who needs to know how to use kind of like the backend platform and, and how do people learn how to do that? So the people in the field. So if you think about someone swinging the hammer or typically it's the foreman for the contracting company, they're the ones responsible for inputting it, but anyone can really learn how it takes no time. They usually get pinged by, um, the Harbor bot, let's call him. And then they can start interacting with, um, the text message that way. If there's mistakes or typos, it picks that up and it, it kind of asks you, did you mean to say this? And you say yes or no. So it's, it's got that, um, intuitive kind of bot feel that people, people have really understood and, uh, you can attach pictures. It asks you to confirm if you want to attach a picture. So there are, um, nice little triggers to make sure that you are on track and what you're doing. And then for the people in the office, so the people that are trying to pay the invoices and figure out, um, what, what needs to be paid and, and where the progress lies. They're the ones able to log into the more robust side of the software, which is the platform, um, on the web. So they can go in, they can see all their projects in a list based on their statuses, or they can dive deeper into the project and kind of look at, uh, task based items or certain subcontractors and, and see photos and documents and stuff like that. And the timing, I mean, we can onboard someone in 
in 10, 15 minutes. It's very straightforward. It's very intuitive. Um, and, uh, the most important thing is really just removing the barrier for adoption for those, the, the contracting people, people or the people in the field. We have a lot of exciting things happening at Ambition Theory right now, specifically for women in the construction industry. Make sure you subscribe to our newsletter at ambitiontheory.ca so that you don't miss out on anything. And now back to the show. Okay, this is really cool because I think the way that I see it, I know the construction industry is built on relationships. It's all about trust. And why mm-hmm. things take so long is because like, well, I need to trust like without Harbor is like, I need to trust that you actually did this work. So I need to verify, I need to send someone there. We need to check and it takes so long, but I think it's so cool that Harbor has really baked that aspect into the process. It's all about that trust. Everything can be verified. Was that, did you think about that when you were building this or was that kind of a, a spillover benefit? Yeah, no, that's definitely a huge part of it. And, and really a lot of, um, any like construction documentation when it typically has come from the field is, um, very paper-based or people are chasing people for information. So a lot, it it is really nice and peace of mind to have that information there. It's living, there's a data point, there's a timestamp, like it does create that really nice source of truth and audit trail and the platform's collaborative. So just like construction, it shouldn't just ben- benefit one person. It benefits all sorts of people. And it helps create a lot of transparency that people really don't have today. A lot of information is siloed. People only know um, kind of specific aspects and you're able to kind of shape who sees what in, in the platform as well. So if you need to know something because it's going to affect your work, you're able to be attached to certain pieces of work. So you can see statuses around that too. And uh, Harbor really just creates an upform structure for invoicing and payments, but there's just so much more to it when it comes to the collaborative side as well. So I want to talk about this kind of concept of empowerment. So tell me how each of these stakeholders that in using Harbor for a project, how it empowers each person? Yeah, that's a great question. So construction obviously deals with a ton of different companies, so many different people to get a project completed it's really an entire community. You've got so many people coming in to do specific jobs, but they all rely on each other. Um, And and we help around the verification of that work so that money can flow, which really benefits everyone. At the end of the day, everyone wants to get paid. And if trades have the option for uh, payments, developers can get better results with fair and flexible payments. So really people want to come to work. They want to track it they want to leave, they want to get paid. So it really allows people to efficiently track what they're doing and kind of remove, like I said, that time around doing paperwork or all those technology barriers just to to say, here are my updates. Here's what's done. This is what I meant to provide you, you know, and and that's it. It just, it really makes it easier for everyone to, to get paid and understand what's complete. Okay. So tell me what is next for Harbor? What do you have coming down the pipeline? So we've got some exciting stuff the end of this month. Um, We've got a big launch at Demo Day, which is part of the Canada FinTech Forum um, in partner with Station FinTech Montreal and Highline Betas. And we are going to be accepting new beta partners into our new beta launch, which is called, and product, sorry, which is called Harbor Velocity. So that's really open to anyone. If you're a contracting company that kind of wants to learn more or an owner and developer who would like to kind of 
give it a go. We're happy to chat and learn more about your business and obviously see how Harbor could benefit um, or add to your processes that you have in place. Cool. And when's that happening? So that is October 28th. But people can reach out when? They can reach out anytime, um, but kind of after that's the kickoff to, to the new product and, um, and, uh, that, that beta testing, but certainly you can reach out to me at any time now at Ashley at Harbor.com and have a chat. Okay. That's amazing. So I love how Harbor has challenged the way that work gets done in the construction industry. What advice do you have for someone who has an idea and they just want to see if it has legs? Oh my gosh. So many people I find want to chat about, you know, ideas they may have because they might see, okay, you had an idea and now you're, you're following it through. And it's really, really difficult. And we've been going, um, six years now, which is insane. And I think the number one thing is talk to as many people as possible and do a lot of research, um, which obviously talking to people will help kind of give you a really nice shape perspective, but understand what the opportunity looks like in a big picture and, and see if it's something that you're doing different enough or that, um, you can kind of really, I don't know how to say, like, just further validate your idea. Like you need that research, you need that understanding and, and conversation to kind of know if it's worth taking that leap because for a lot of people, it's scary. It's scary if you have a job or it's scary if you're wanting to try something new, but I think really just getting comfortable with, um, as much information as possible and then kind of figure out how to, how to take that information and do something with it. Okay. That's cool. And at the end of every episode, we end with an action that people can take within 24 hours after learning something new. So this is just Mm -hmm. a first step that people can take. So what is the best first step for someone who wants to get, just get started in challenging the status quo? I love this question, Andrea, so much. Um, okay. For me, it would just be talk to someone or reach out to someone you've been wanting to, or maybe kind of hesitant to reach out to and talk to them and just like figure out what doors could and opportunities could open just by having a conversation with someone new and, and opening yourself up in a different way. I love that. And actually I'm going to ask another question about that. How do you recommend people? If there's someone that I'm like, Ooh, I would love to have a conversation with them. How do you even do that? If you've never done that before? Well, I guess it depends if it's someone you can actually talk to in person or if it's just someone online, but I would just, whatever maybe is drawing you to that person, or if it's a specific topic you want to talk to them about, just like write something down, get comfortable with what you want to say and just reach out or it could be email through social media. And just, I would just say, be, um, like a little bit vulnerable and just put, put out what you want and see how that's received. My dad always told me the worst thing someone is going to say to you is no. And I think that all the time. If I just ask someone, you know what, the worst thing they'll say is no, we'll move on. We'll forget about it. So I think that just not being scared to to ask people for something or ask people to meet for coffee, like just, just give it a try. I love that. Thank you for that. So how do people connect with you, Ashley? Well, they can connect with me on LinkedIn. That's pretty much where I live more than Facebook and many other places. Um, you can find me on there at Ashley Kilbertowski. You can connect with me via email, Ashley, at harbor.com. And then Harbor is on social media on Instagram at Harbor underscore or, um, at go Harbor on Twitter. And I pretty much run most of those accounts. So you'll definitely be able to find me there. 
And also Harbor is spelled H-A-R-B-R. So if you want to look that up, make sure you spell it properly. So Ashley, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. I learned a lot from you and I want to stay connected. Yeah. Thanks, Andrea. This was great. Hey, before you go, I wanted to read a review of our podcast. This one is called A Must. Anyone, especially females, looking to better themselves professionally and personally needs to listen to this podcast. I have taken courses with Andrea and she is amazing. Thank you so much for that generous review. It really helps us to get the word out about the podcast. And now I'm wondering if I can ask you a favor. Can you leave the podcast a five-star review and a comment? Thank you so much.